0: Dempster analyzes the opening chapters of Genesis, claiming they introduce not just the book of Genesis, but the entirety of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible. He identifies a hermeneutical prologue containing key themes and locates a pattern of genealogical formulas and narratives in the text. Each verse denotes these chapters, usually introduced with the recurring formula. These are the generations of either a genealogical list or a saga follows this acting as a roadmap to future events or generations. The main storyline of Genesis progresses through this pattern of alternating lists and tales, starting with the creation account and continuing through genealogies and narratives, featuring significant biblical figures such as Adam, Noah, Abram, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Also, Dempster stresses the significance of the number seven, emphasizing that the Hebrew text's first line contains exactly seven words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This theme continues with the phrase God said repeated 10 times, and the declaration that the world is good used seven times. The agent of creation, God is omnipresent, featured 35 times and always as the subject of a verb. The opening chapter concludes on the seventh day with God resting, signaling the completion of creation, which accentuates the thematic importance of the number seven. Moreover, Dempster's analysis of Genesis reveals that the goal of creation is anthropological, with human beings created as the apex of God's work. The use of words like likeness and image to describe humanity denotes humanity's unique relation to both God and the created order. These terms suggest humans' distinct function as mediators, relating both to God and to the physical world around them. Dempster argues that the creation narrative culminates in the making of humanity on the sixth day. This, he affirms, marks the peak and purpose of all divine creativity. Over the next phase of humanity's existence, God endows individuals with the ability to reproduce, further fulfilling the role of God's vicegerents on earth. Humans, Dempster posits, are uniquely capable of reflecting God's glory and exercising dominion over the earth, acting as priest kings. In doing so, they bridge the gap between the spiritual and physical realm. Furthermore, Dempster discusses the way Genesis uses the idea of the image of God. This concept reappears throughout the Bible, suggesting not only the divine origin and destiny of humanity, but also the innate inherent dignity of all individuals. The parallels drawn between the divine creation of Adam and the subsequent human creation of Seth indicate the transmission of the image of God through the generations, Dempster implies that humanity's role is to extend God's kingdom on earth. This includes dominion over the land, the transmission of the divine image through procreation, and the reflection of God's glory. By framing humanity as both rulers and creatures, Dempster suggests that Genesis presents a vision in which people have both authority and responsibility. Thus, he concludes that the creation narrative in Genesis asserts the inherent dignity— sacred worth, and divine purpose of human beings. In addition, the Garden of Eden, as described in Genesis 2, represents both the physical and spiritual point of origin for humanity within the biblical narrative. Dempster notes that its depiction is centered on the dual aspects of dynasty and dominion. Eden here serves as the divine seat of authority, a theologically rich realm that houses the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Its geographical significance is further highlighted by the rivers that flow from it, nourishing the rest of the earth. Further, the garden is associated with the presence of God, which is reinforced by the iconic cherubim and the later descriptions of God walking in the garden. Dempster draws parallels between Eden and temples or sanctuaries, such as the tabernacle and Mount Zion, indicating the garden's symbolic importance as a place where heaven and earth meet and where divine laws are set for humanity. The author interprets the commandment not to eat from the tree of knowledge as an early encapsulation of the law given at Sinai, associating its violation with death. The account then delves into the creation of man, Adam, and woman, using a unique set of terms such as form, build, land, breathe, keep, serve, man and woman. The term build, used to describe the creation of the woman, hints at her future role as a life-giver. The addition of God's personal name, Yahweh, to the title God in this passage is seen as signifying that the God who makes a covenant with Israel is also the God of Adam. Overall, Genesis 2 extensively explores the creation, tasks, and relationships of the first human beings in a perfect environment, harmoniously coexisting with God and nature, a strong correlation is drawn between the human duty in the Garden of Eden and the later directives for priests and Levites in temple service. Besides, Dempster presents an analysis of Genesis 3, discussing the theological concept of the fall, which refers to humanity's expulsion from Eden for their disobedience. He acknowledges some scholars' criticism and marginalization of the narrative, with some even interpreting it as humanity's ascent. However, Dempster maintains that despite the absence of specific vocabulary, the concept of the fall clearly exists in the text. The author believes cosmic tragedy better captures the implications of humanity's audacious betrayal against God. Dempster shifts focus to the serpent, regarded as the most shrewd of the creatures of the field. Dempster criticizes literal interpretations that fail to acknowledge the snake's symbolic representation of an evil power opposing God's plan. Dempster illuminates how the snake cunningly redefined the tree of knowledge and explicitly contradicted God's command. Additionally, he discusses the aftermath of humanity's disobedience. Following their consumption of the prohibited fruit, Adam and Eve are exiled from Eden, facing life outside God's direct presence, laborious toil, and death. This breaking of divine human harmony extends to disruptions between humans and nature itself. Consequentially, humanity's original place of dominion over creation is overturned, with women now under men's rule and mankind under nature. Thus, Dempster suggests the serpent attained victory with the events of Genesis 3, forming a barrier between God and humanity. Additionally, Dempster discusses the biblical narrative of Adam and Eve, interpreting it through a lens of hope and restoration, despite the fall from grace. Dempster explores the curse on the serpent in Genesis 3.15, deciphering it as a seed of hope for human salvation. The seed refers to the offspring of Eve, ultimately hinting at Christ, who will eventually triumph over sin personified in the serpent, restoring the lost dominion of mankind. Dempster explains that Adam's act of naming his wife Eve as the mother of all living is indicative of the faith he had in the promise of a seed who would redeem mankind. He criticizes scholars who limit their analysis to the immediate context of the scriptures, pointing out the significance of the broader narrative of human redemption. The discussion then moves to the stories of Cain, Abel, and their descendants, illustrating the effects of sin on creation and the human attempt to regain control over the earth. The narrative of Cain and Abel reveals how sin corrupts society, from denial of guilt to glorification of violence, leading to alienation from the natural world, symbolized in Cain's punishment to wander the earth. Despite this stark depiction of sin's ravages, Dempster reiterates that Eve's birthing of another son, Seth, symbolizes another chance at redemption. Dempster repeats the significance of genealogy in biblical narratives as seen in the genealogy of Cain and the ten-member genealogy of Genesis 5. These genealogies depict the transmission of divine image and the human struggle against the dominion of sin. The birth of Noah, the 10th generation from Adam, brings another glimmer of hope, predicted to bring relief from the curse on the land. This reference to Noah's birth underlines the connection between genealogy, lineage, and geography, land, further supporting the theme of human redemption. Dempster ends with the depiction of Noah as a savior, a man who finds grace in God's eyes, becoming a new starting point for humanity amidst a world corrupted by violence. Consequently, the narrative of Adam and Eve's fall becomes a story not of despair, but of the persistent promise of redemption and divine hope for humanity. Next, in the tonic, the term covenant first appears in relation to the world's salvation. This term, which refers to an agreement between two parties, is integral to the unfolding narrative. These covenants can be either unilateral or bilateral, establishing a relationship, and entail obligations. Also, they shape a future for both parties as they are based on promise and responsibility. In this context, God plans to save Noah, his family, and animals from impending judgment. Post-judgment, they start a new creation. Noah's only responsibility is to build the ark needed for this rescue mission the post-flood scenario is depicted as a return to the pre-creation chaos detailed in Genesis 1, 2. A new world is created as the Spirit of God pushes back the primal waters, General 8, 1. Emerging into this new world, Noah's family and the animals are commanded to be fruitful and multiply, echoing the instructions of the original creation, General 817, 9, 1. However, several critical differences exist in this new world. Human control over animals is now fear-based and humans have the ability to kill wildlife. The divine image is referred to as a deterrent against murder, not as a cause for awe. Humans are inherently marked by sin, General 821. Despite this, God enters a covenant with all of creation, promising never to again release the chaotic waters over the earth. With this covenant, God effectively disarms, casting aside his weapon in the sky. The resulting rainbow serves as a symbol of the covenant, reminding God and humanity of the world's promised grace. Moreover, in this series of biblical accounts, Dempster posits that Noah, analogous to a new Adam post-flood, also falls to temptation, becoming drunk and naked, resulting in a curse being bestowed upon his descendants. This curse particularly affects the Canaanites, descendants of Noah through his son Ham. Meanwhile, Noah's son Shem is divinely blessed, shem's lineage is explored in genesis's table of nations representing 70 nations of the ancient world and suggesting the interconnectedness of humanity this table also foreshadows the future subjugation of the canaanites by shem's descendants the structure of this table prioritizes shem featuring him last to underscores his prominence references to his descendants link them to the future israelites and the division of the earth during his descendant peleg's time Foreshadows the story of the Tower of Babel. This tale is set on the plains of Shinar, where unity was disrupted as the people attempted to reach the heavens by building a towering structure. Believed to be an act of rebellion against God, their language was confounded and they dispersed into seventy different groups around the world. This dispersion, not a divine blessing but the result of punishment, explains the proliferation of nations across the earth as portrayed in the eclectic array of Genesis's Table of Nations. Furthermore, Dempster's interpretation of Genesis follows the journey of Abram from his obscure beginnings to becoming the father of a multitude of nations. He draws attention to the recurrence of ten generations, from Adam to Noah and from Noah to Abram, emphasizing the importance of lineage and genealogical context. The story of Abram, an apparently insignificant character with a barren wife and a late father, is deemed to hold a significant promise. Despite appearing to be at a dead end in life, Abram is presented as the holder of a divine goal within the historical narrative. Dempster accentuates the stark contrast in the narrative time frame. Whilst the previous millennia are covered in 11 chapters, the next 25 years take up 10 chapters. This shift in pace affirms the momentous arrival of Abram. The key theological pronouncements involve geography and genealogy. Abram leaves Babel for God's promised land and, despite their apparent inability to conceive, Abram and Sarai are set to become a great nation. Unlike the builders of Babel who sought to elevate their status through a colossal tower, Abram's greatness flourishes under God's hand, building him into a nation that would bless other nations. This nation later becomes Israel, created for the benefit of the world, and with a mission to restore it to its pre-Adenic state. In contextualizing the journey of Abram and the inception of Israel, Dempster asserts the importance of lineage, divine intervention, and the grand narrative that emerges from a humble beginning. In addition, Dempster highlights the irony of the blessing conferred on Abraham against the bleak backdrop of the Table of Nations and the debacle of Babel. He indicates that it serves as a solution to the pressing issue of the human condition. He draws the parallel between Lamech, whose aspiration for the removal of the curse was answered through his son Noah, and Terah whose son Abram is set to be the source of blessing for the world. Dempster notes the word blessing, occurring five times in the call narrative, contradicting the five-fold curse mentioned earlier in the text. He conveys the text's indication of a potential disturbance to the plan, but also of the inevitable triumph over the opposition. Further, Dempster maintains a recurrence of this text toward the end of the Torah, reflecting Israel's journey to claim the promised land, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He cites the incident of Balaam, the prophet who poses a potent threat to the fulfillment of the promise of land. Despite being a mercenary hired by Moab to curse Israel, he acknowledges Israel's fate, admitting that he cannot curse what God has not. This establishes the temporary defeat for the powers of darkness. Besides, Dempster points out the elements of geography and genealogy in the Abram narrative from chapters 12-22 in the Bible. Dempster leans towards Gerhard von Rad's perspective that land and posterity themes effectively thread through the narrative like a cantus firmus or homogenous melody, questioning the opinion of scholars who propose these themes as secondary or unoriginal aspects of the story. A scholarly view demarcating the focus on land and seed is examined throughout the narrative. The beginning introduces God's instructions for Abram to depart from Mesopotamia, while the story ends with a divine command to sacrifice Isaac. Dempster acknowledges this perspective, noting the divine oath to Abraham reiterating the theme of land in chapters 12-15 and the subsequent divine oath in chapters 16-22 repeating the theme of seed. However, he also seeks a balanced understanding, maintaining that this thematic dissection of the narrative into the land and seed themes, though generally accurate, is not absolute. Additionally, Dempster explores Abram and Sarai's travels through Canaan while they grow older. They receive a vision from God underlining the importance of the land they travel and the promise that it will be inherited by their descendants. After they arrive in Canaan, they face a famine and move to Egypt for survival. Abram's fear puts the divine promise of land and offspring at risk. Still, God rescues them, and they return to Canaan. Back in Canaan, Abram offers his nephew Lot, the very land destined for his offspring, again risking the divine promise. Nonetheless, God confirms Abram's future possession of the land and his countless descendants. We learn that Abram built altars in Shechem, Bethel, and Hebron, but hasn't visited the future holy site, Jerusalem. Eventually, Abram visits there after saving his nephew and city from destruction. Abram is called a military and spiritual hero as he fights and defeats enemy armies with seemingly supernatural help. The blessing Abram received from Melchizedek, the king of Salem, connects Abram's blessings with God's blessings. In Genesis 14, Abram is showcased as a spiritual warrior. The text shows Abram's victory as a result of divine intervention. Abram's rewards for victory are shared with God, underscoring God's sovereignty. The first section of Abram's narrative ends in Genesis 15, reminding us that his descendants will be as innumerable as stars. A covenant symbolized by a sacrificial ritual, confirms that Abram's descendants will possess Canaan. However, this will be delayed due to the Canaanite's sin that hasn't yet been judged. God assures Abram, promising him land and numerous descendants. Despite Abram's wavering in faith and his efforts to control the promise, God continues to reaffirm his commitment. Abram's journey of faith thus begins, filled with moments of triumph and failure. Next, Dempster examines the second section, chapter 16, 22 of Abraham's story in the book of Genesis, focusing on themes such as disbelief, promise, and covenant. As the years pass, Abraham and Sarah's lack of children leads to incredulity at God's promise. Sarah's laughter is symbolic of the skepticism they feel about God's promise of descendants. Despite their age, God changes Abram's name to Abraham and renews the promise of seed, signifying a new beginning. This leads to obligations such as circumcision, emphasizing the promise of descendants in the face of sterility. The new names of Abraham and Sarah carry significance. Abraham's means father of multitudes and Sarah's indicates royalty. The irony of circumcision and the promise of descendants is depicted humorously, with the joke being on the old couple. The miraculous birth of Isaac is heralded with laughter, accentuating the shock of divine intervention. Abraham's intercession for Sodom reveals his sense of justice and his ability to contend with God for the sake of righteousness. The narrative contrasts the joy of Isaac's birth with the command to sacrifice him, presenting a stark juxtaposition of blessing and curse. Isaac's near sacrifice echoes his birth, with strong symbolism and connection to Jerusalem, later linking to the concept of atonement. The importance of genealogy is affirmed through the birth of Isaac and the acquisition of land and wife for him. The purchase of a grave for Sarah serves as evidence of God's promise of land, while the detailed account of finding a wife for Isaac asserts the significance of lineage. Dempster links back to the creation narrative, weaving themes of life, death, promise, and blessing, and pointing forward to the wider theological implications in the biblical canon, such as the victory over the serpent and the promise of military success for Israel. Also, Dempster's analysis of the Jacob story highlights the convergence of geography and genealogy within the biblical narrative. The account begins with the transfer of Abraham's blessing to Isaac and his barren wife, Rebekah, indicating God's electing purposes and the unexpected blessing given to Jacob, the younger son. Two key events frame Jacob's life. The struggle with his twin, Esau, in the womb, and a later struggle with God at the Jabbok River, where he is renamed Israel. Jacob's life is marked by significant visions and dreams, such as the dream at Bethel, where he sees a ladder connecting heaven to earth, and a rock that symbolizes the link between the earthly and the divine. This dream reinforces the unity of heaven and earth, and maintains God's intention to build his nation through Jacob's seed. During Jacob's sojourn in Mesopotamia, the narrative focuses on the births of his 12 children, pointing out divine intervention in their conception. This is a clear manifestation of the promise made to Abraham and Rebekah, gradually materializing into a great nation. Jacob's return to Canaan and his transformation into Israel after a desperate struggle with a divine being reiterate his new identity as God's fighter. Though victorious, he emerges wounded, symbolizing a spiritual circumcision. The story then unfolds a series of crises, leading to the shift in focus to Judah, the next in line for blessing. The narrative weaves geography and genealogy intricately, showing how God's promises are fulfilled through Jacob and his descendants. It is a tale that repeats God's providence, the complexities of human character, and the profound connection between the earthly and the divine. Last but not least, Dempster's analysis of the Joseph story in Genesis underlines the themes of genealogy, geography, blessing, and the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Three main figures emerge. Joseph, Jacob, or Israel, and Judah, Joseph. Joseph's dreams of dominion are key to the narrative, representing God's intention to bless all nations through Israel. Though his brothers want to destroy him, Joseph becomes an agent of reconciliation and healing for both Israel and the nations. Jacob, Israel. Jacob's vision before going to Egypt, General 46.3, 4, connects the themes of genealogy and geography. His aged patriarch's blessing, even on the powerful pharaoh, underscores that blessing comes from Israel, not the dominant powers. The family's expansion in exile is a new table of nations, fulfilling the divine purpose. Judah. Judah's complex narrative includes marrying Canaanite women, facing the loss of descendants, and a surprising turn where Tamar ensures the lineage. Judah's sin is exposed but leads to the promise of his rule over nations. The blessing on Judah General 49, 8, 12, portrays a future warrior king with dominion over the earth, signaling a universal blessing and nature's renewal. The story culminates in an eschatological perspective, where Israel's blessing to the nations is realized through the dynasty of Judah. It points to a future descendant whose dominion will encompass the world, bringing peace and prosperity. Dempster draws attention to the connection with the blessing of Balaam in Numbers twenty four fourteen further emphasizing the future ruler who will bring victory and extend rule far and wide. Thus, the Joseph story serves as a crucial theological link between God's promise to Abraham and the future realization of universal blessing. In conclusion, Dempster's in-depth analysis shows that the book of Genesis introduces key themes for the entire Hebrew Bible, Tanakh. He identifies a recurring pattern of alternating genealogical lists and narratives, with humanity as the apex of God's creative work. Dempster accentuates the importance of the number seven in the Hebrew text and the role people as priest kings are meant to play on earth. Humanity stands in a unique relation to God in the created world, extending God's kingdom, including dominion over the land, procreation, and reflecting God's glory. Affirming the intrinsic dignity and divine purpose of human beings, Dempster connects Genesis with subsequent Bible narratives. The Garden of Eden is associated with the presence of God, the creation of mankind, the early form of law, and divine intervention. The human role in the Garden extends to priests and Levites for expressing service and God's commands. A significant turning point is humanity's expulsion from Eden after disobeying God's law. Dempster debates that the disobedience of Adam and Eve resulted in a cosmic tragedy. Moreover. Dempster touches upon the idea that the birth of Eve's son, Seth, symbolizes a chance at redemption. In the story of Noah, Dempster identifies hope and salvation amidst the world's corruption. The narrative connects genealogy, lineage, and geography, land, further supporting the theme of human redemption. This is also seen in the story of Abraham, where lineage and divine intervention give birth to a grand narrative. The birth of Isaac and the command for his sacrifice, however show stark juxtaposition of blessing and curse. In the Jacob story, the narrative brings out God's intentions about his nation through the complex character of Jacob and his descendants. Finally, the Joseph story consolidates the themes of genealogy, geography, blessing, and the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. His life leads to the propagation of Israel's blessing to all nations, fulfilling the divine purpose.